0: Welcome back to Episode 4 of the Second Amendment Liberal Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. Today we're going to be talking about Democrats and the far-left's love affair with authoritarianism. Before we proceed, I'm going to address the inevitable criticism I will no doubt receive from my fellow liberal-minded people out there. I'm not going to cover the authoritarian nature of the right. It's already been well-established and covered in every possible minute detail. There is almost a Borg-like coordination in all of mainstream media that constantly attacks the right and highlights their failings, and rightfully so. It is completely unnecessary for me to add my voice to that. It's been covered to death and will continue to be covered indefinitely ad nauseum in movies, television, radio, and other mediums until the horse has long been dead, beaten, buried, excavated, beaten some more, and then buried again, only to rise as the undead and be beaten yet again back towards the gates of hell. Due to this non-stop barrage of criticism towards the right, the left far too often gets a free pass for their instances of abhorrent behavior. Yes, right-wing media relentlessly criticizes the left, but it's often erroneous, fictitious, and ridiculous. We need voices on the left to speak up when a wrongdoing is committed by people who share our viewpoints and values. Unfortunately, it's considered a sort of taboo faux pas by many people on the left to criticize the state of modern liberalism in America, as it is seen as undermining societal progress and enabling the other side to win. Focusing on your faults and attempting to correct them is not a sign of weakness. It takes a strong person to recognize when they are wrong and then make course corrections necessary to mitigate or eliminate such failings. My criticisms are often deflected with, but Republicans are worse. I'm not talking about Republicans. It's already well established they are awful. Let's focus here. I'm talking about Democrats, and to a larger extent, the ideology that mainstream liberalism has warped and distorted itself into in this day and age. To even suggest that Democrats or liberalism have any issues at all is tantamount to treason in the minds of many. I care not which side the boot heel originates. To the victims, authoritarian regimes throughout history have produced the same results which are indistinguishable, regardless if that government was left or right. Your authoritarianism is not preferable to another. Now that I've addressed my misgivings with the people who will be ravaging my commentary, let's move on to the problems inherent in the approach that Democrats fringe liberalism is currently utilizing to push their policies. During the 2016 presidential election, anyone who expressed their intention to vote third party no doubt received criticism from Democrat loyalists who insisted if you didn't vote for Hillary for any reason... You are a sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic Nazi who irrationally hates women to such an extent they'd rather risk the chance of letting Trump win and destroy the world with nukes in a moment of eagle-stroking dick-measuring with North Korea than have a woman anywhere near the Oval Office. Let me get something straight right now. I don't care what set of genitals lies between the legs of any person it is utterly irrelevant on such a level that I can't muster enough strength to care in the slightest degree. If they are qualified, have genuine ideas to move this country forward and away from Democrat and Republican control, and most importantly, they have not exhibited signs of corruption, they'll get my vote. Woman or not, and this viewpoint is not as uncommon as the Hillary defenders insist. Upon Hillary's defeat, she even suggested it was our fault, instead of her own incompetent campaign, lack of good policy-oriented ideas, and corrupt past. This is the type of thinking I want to highlight. Instead of taking responsibility for her own failures, she foisted it upon the public. She collectivized anyone who was against her victory for any reason, no matter how valid, as people with antiquated and barbaric views against women. This is a tactic recently adopted by far too many on the left as a way to explain away personal failures so they can avoid doing the hard work of reflecting upon these failures and addressing them. This method is also extremely lazy and a way of taking away the individuality, credibility, and sensibility of their opposition and forcing them into some easily digestible collectivized villain role for which to blame all their misfortunes and avoid having to confront valid criticisms. Shame and fear are also another component in the toolbox that the far left tends to use these days to force people to adopt their positions. If you disagree, even in the slightest, to what they support, they will call you all sorts of names, dox you, and even attempt to get you fired from your job to serve as a warning to others. If you don't fall completely in line, they can and will destroy you. If your ideas are inherently positive and effective, you don't need to resort to such tactics. Alcohol companies don't need to run ads against cigarette companies. The value in their products is inherent. And people don't need to be sold on why it's a viable alternative. If you're using overbearing tactics to sell what you're pushing, perhaps you've got a flaw somewhere. Snake oil salesmen and women are also a huge part of the far-left online community. These predatory people champion... Quote unquote "causes," and I use that word lightly, which are generally comprised of non-problems that are intentionally misrepresented and blown out of proportion to their supporters in such a fashion to extract large amount of donations, no different than mega church bullshit artists like Joel Osteen. They prey on the endless abundant outrage they know their fan base possesses and their inclination to be outraged over trivial things. The Anita Sarkeesian's of the world are prime examples of far-left con artists who use this tactic with great success to make profit. It's these type of people who worry me the most and are currently poised to strike at the opportunity to acquire positions of leadership and power these people are potential dictators who use social and economic punishment of those who fail to adopt their version of ideological purity and the friendly face of progressivism to hide their underhanded intentions. What I mean by this is, it is their distorted view of social justice that is dangerous and authoritarian, which if you fail to adopt will be used against you as a way to destroy your character and reputation and cast you out of society. Ideas like believe all women or hate speech should be criminalized are terrifying and just how freely they're tossed around and how seriously their proponents take it. Ideas like these are not justice. They are the tools of potential dictatorships and we should nip this in the bud right now as to avoid catastrophe in the future. This is where the challenge lies, convincing reasonable, level-headed, normal, well-adjusted liberal people that these authoritarians within our ranks are indeed genuine threats to be taken seriously. Our unwillingness to recognize these people for what they are is going to bite us in the ass if we don't take the action necessary to reduce their influence over our political landscape. This all relates to gun rights. It has been communicated quite clearly to me that in the minds of anti-gunners, they gladly cherry-pick which of our constitutional rights they're willing to recognize and respect, but even that is entirely contextual. In their pursuit to undermine the Second Amendment, they're perfectly comfortable throwing other rights under the bus. This is what I struggle to communicate to other liberals who criticize my position on why gun rights are so important. It's not just about the guns. Regulation of them, more often than not, has much broader implications that put our other related rights at risk, especially the First and Fourth Amendments. Remember when Democrats were going on and on about the no-fly-no-buy thing? Yes, that's right. They supported a secret government list wherein there is no way to know you're on it, and little to no way to get off it should your name be erroneously applied to it, which has happened to many people in the past, including high-profile politicians. They intended to use this list as a way to deny people their gun rights without due process. If you can't see the greater implications beyond gun rights with the existence of such a list and the way Democrats wanted to implement it, then you are completely blind. One thing that really grinds my gears is the inverted, bizarro land version of guilt and innocence far left people have conceptualized around our rights. They believe it is up to the individual to prove they are innocent before the government allows them to practice their rights. In a sense, they don't even believe in rights. They believe in easily revoked and denied government-controlled privileges. This is why you often hear them advocate for piling up so many unnecessary and arbitrary tests, fees, psychological examinations, and other roadblocks and legal conditions between us and our rights as a way to dissuade people from even bothering with it. Their support for draconian levels of gun control is often derived from the flaw idea that you might do something bad. Therefore, you will and need the government to come check on you like a child to make sure you're behaving yourself. This is why in countries like Australia and the UK, the police come into your home and check how you're storing your firearms. You have no choice and no constitutional protections in these countries to prevent law enforcement from entering your home against your will without a warrant. This arrangement is an anti-gun dream policy. I could go on and on for hours and days and weeks about this, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'll leave you with this. Just because Republicans are bad doesn't mean Democrats aren't. And it's up to us to realize the binary choice we've been presented with is not really a choice at all. And it's up to us to break the cycle. Let's be honest with ourselves and root out these potential problem people. Should we be victorious politically, we'll do nothing but take advantage of our victory and drag us back by implementing policies that do nothing but hurt common people by attacking their individual rights and protections. This is your host, Brad. Unfortunately, we don't have any advertisers at the moment. Thankfully, Patreon has us covered. As most people are aware, social media entities across the internet are clamping down on the ability for gun-related content producers to fund their projects. Your support on Patreon gives those of us here at the Second Amendment Liberal Podcast the ability to keep the lights on. As this project grows, expect interviews with interesting and notable people in the gun world, reviews of cool gun-related products, and travel to locations around the country to get the scoop on stories that otherwise would be out of reach. I have big things planned for the future of this podcast, folks. For $3 a month, you can pledge your support on Patreon. As things develop and take off around here, there will be all sorts of tiers and perks. If you find yourself unable to support us monetarily, hey, that's cool. I understand. I know money is tight for many people right now, and I just appreciate you listening. Go to patreon.com slash 2ALiberalPodcast. The number 2 the letter A, Liberal Podcast, and become a patron today. Thank you very much for listening. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to my diatribe. You may not agree with me, but you know what? You're not required to. All right, everyone. Have a great day.